Hello and welcome to Calling All Cars from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Welcome to police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 83. Be on the lookout for Bronco artist passing as the Baron von Bodenthal, described as medium height, wears a monocle, speaks with a foreign accent, that's all, rolls and clips. Tonight, hundreds of police cars are patrolling dark streets in California and Arizona cities, listening intently for the police radio. When the emergency call comes, and it comes many times every night, down goes the throttle to the floorboard, the siren screams, and Rio Grande cracked gasoline rushes the police to the rescue. No other gasoline will meet emergencies so well as Rio Grande cracked because no other gasoline is made in the West by the patented Sinclair cracking process. Tests have been made by scores of city chemists to find which gasoline gives best results in emergency motors. And Rio Grande has won the test in Los Angeles, in Maricopa County, Arizona, in Fresno, in Oakland, in Berkeley. In fact, everywhere it is sold, Rio Grande cracked gasoline powers more police cars fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment than any other brand. Rio Grande Crack has been chosen by these cities not only for its exceptional speed and power, but because city records of automobile operating costs prove that this unusual gasoline actually gives many more miles to the gallon. Even at lowest cut prices, no uncracked gasoline gives as many miles per dollar as Rio Grande Crack. Why don't you use the same gasoline that experts specify for their finest car? You can enjoy police car performance in your own car if you just ask your independent dealer for Rio Grande cracked gasoline. And now it is our privilege once more to present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department, Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. A constant public menace which your police find difficult to combat is the operations of confidence men and bunco artists. The world is full of slickers whose philosophy contains no word for work. They are wed to the idea that the less wary should pay their way. Their victims, innocent, gullible citizens who believe in their fellow man, more often than not, swallow their pride, take their loss, and say nothing about it because of fear of ridicule. Hence, the policeman's problem. This type of offender could be more completely dealt with if only the citizen who has become a victim of his guile would promptly report him to the police. As you will see in this story you're about to hear, the Baron soon walked into the law's arms after his victim 
had gotten enough courage to report his gullibility to the authorities. It is several years ago in Vienna. A seedily dressed little man sidles over the golden plush threshold of the Kaiserhof Café. A waiter approaches him. Someone, sir? For you, Heinrich. Carl, when did they release you? Just yesterday. I walked all the way from the prison. Oh, you should not have come back here. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I had to see you. Tell me, my friend, did they treat you well in the prison? Like a pig. Bread and water, turnips. And all because the Countess von Stormhoff left her purse at the table and I was tempted to remove the contents. Three years for that. Well, it is the law. Yeah, but the throne need not have turned me in. You could have overlooked it. Oh, it does no good to be bitter, Carl. You can get occupation somewhere else. You're very good, Vader. Vader? No longer will I be a Vader. Huh? What do you propose to do? I'm going to live. Consider, Highness. With a monocle in my eye and an afternoon coat, could I not pass as a gentleman... Would I not look the same as any of these people here? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps you would. Certainly I have a manner. One cannot be a waiter in the Kaiserhof Cafe without a manner. True. And this scar on my cheek, where that Swabian dishwasher hit me with a plate that time, would that not pass as a gentleman's saber scar received in a student's duel at Heidelberg? Yeah, it might. But not in Vienna. I'm not going to remain in Vienna. I'm going to travel. And finally... That is why I've come here to you, my best friend. Why is that, Carl? I will need some money to buy a wardrobe and a ticket. Enough money, let us say, to get me to Paris. Oh, I have not much money, Carl. You have enough, Heinrich, to lend me some. Yeah, but my Lena and the children, it would not be fair to them. It is investment, Heinrich. We are going into business together. With the money I glean from gullible parvenus, I shall give you a half. Think of it, Carl. For a few paltry shillings, you will have hundreds. You can quit this menial task, open your own restaurant. Think of it, Heinrich. A little place of your own, where you can be your own Colonel, it is you who are good to come. Always you are welcome in the home of Celeste de Rennes. Ah, madame, your words, the look in your eyes, gives me hope that someday... Oui, mon colonel. Please, call me Carl. Carl, oui. Carl, and you are staying? Mm. No, 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 I, I cannot. It would not be fair. These two weeks since I have met you have been the happiest in my life, but alas... But what, Carl? Mon Dieu, speak. I, too, have been happy in this knowing you. A real gentilhomme. Ah, oh, if you could only know the life I have led. Those unhappy years of marriage to Monsieur Derain, a bourgeois. Figurez-vous, a type who devastated that within my veins runs the blood of Napoleon. Napoleon, le fille, that is. Uh, yeah, I know. Yours has been an unhappy lot. And it flutters me... Well, it grieves me to be forced to add to your unhappiness. Carl, what are you saying? Celeste, 
I must go away. No, 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 mon ami. Do not go away. Do not leave me. I have not told you before, but I think it is only fair that you know I'm on a secret mission. Yeah? A secret mission? Yes, I... I'm on the business of his grace, the Archduke Otto. If I'm successful, I shall place him on the throne of Austria. Marvelous. When I think what that will mean to the royalist cause in France. Mm, yeah, exactly. My mission is a difficult one, however. It, uh, it is beset with many annoying obstacles. Oh, if I could but help. Yeah, there is little one can do. Yeah, I, I will get it somehow. Get what, Carl? Money. It will be necessary to finance the coup d'etat. Money? But then, mon ami, I can help. I have plenty of money. Monsieur Durand made millions. Manufacturing, bed springs, or whatever it was. I beg you to let me help. Uh, no, no, Celeste. I, I couldn't think of it. Uh, no, it would be quite impossible. When I'm successful, when the Emperor Otto sits crowned in Vienna, I want to come back to you without a sense of obligation. It is a privilege. Oh, that at last I can help the re-establishment of the monarchy... It has been the greatest ambition of my life to be able to do such a thing. How much do you need, Carl? Oh, really, Celeste, I, I cannot... I see, I see. Here. I write you the check for one million francs. Uh, a, a million francs? Voilà, mon cher. For royalty. Oh, but Celeste... Mais toi. Take it. Very well, and uh, and now, Celeste, I, I must leave you, but uh, only until I have placed the Archduke upon the Imperial Throne of Austria. Oh, Miss Heatherstone, this mild English summer has done wonders for me. Oh, I feel like a new man. You look much better than you did when you came down here to Shepton Heath a month ago. I, I wonder whether my recovery was due more to the quiet summer air, the sweet-smelling roses in this garden, and the pale blue sky, or to the quiet intelligence of your soul, the understanding in your eyes, the beautiful friendship you have given me. Oh, Professor Einstein. Peter, please call me Carl. Do you think it would be quite proper? I'm sure it would, Mary. Oh, Carl. Oh, if life could but go on like this, if one were not impelled to achieve, to grind out the grains of one's soul in the mortar and pestle of ambition. Oh, this is madness, Mary. Why? My experiment. I must complete my experiment. My laboratory in London calls, and if it costs my life, I shall go back and finish my work. Oh, your life? Yes, Mary, and it may cost me my life. The fumes from the chemicals in which I am working are insidious, deadly. They kill slowly. That is why I had to come down here to Shepton Heath to gain back a foothold on a life for just a little longer. Oh, Carl, no. And now I must go back to that foul-smelling laboratory to continue my work, to push back the frontiers of human knowledge one little step further. Oh, Carl, you are a great man. No. When I was a little girl here in this vicarage, my father used to sit with me in this very garden and tell me of the great scientists who had given their lives for humanity. I learned to love them. 
Oh, and to think that I've finally met one. And learned to love you. Oh, Carl. My life has been so lonely in this old district since my father passed on. Living here alone with the memory of him. Oh, now I can't bear to think of the friendship we have had coming to an end. Oh, you give me hope, Mary. You give me a reason to want to live. Perhaps, who knows, perhaps my experiment will not kill me. Perhaps someday when it is finished, I, I can come back to you. Oh, I pray to God that you will. I shouldn't have said that. My goodness, I'm acting like a young girl. To me, you are a young girl, Mary. A young girl who must be protected from life. Tell me, Lithian, uh, you, you have not much uh, money, have you? Well, my father left me a hundred a year. Oh, as I thought. Well, here, Mary, is something I want you to have. What is it? A copy of my will. I have some property in Austria, a villa near Vienna, another near Salzburg, and some fairly valuable books and paintings. I've had my solicitor make this will out in your paper. If I am completing my experiment, I want you to have all that I possess. Oh, no, Carl, I couldn't. It wouldn't be right. I've done nothing for you. You have given me hope. You have given me something for which to live. An impetus to go back and complete my experiment. If I only can. But of course you can. If you're genius... No, it is not that. Uh, working with the precious materials I am, I, I, I may run out before the experiment is concluded. Can't you get more? No, I can and I cannot. At the present, my affairs in Vienna are so tangled that I may not be able to get my hand on some ready cash. Then call... Would you let me help? You? Oh, no, no. I, I, I could not do that. It wouldn't be much, but I could possibly realize on some of my inheritance. Oh, it would be a privilege to help a man of science. Oh, no, no. It, it's impossible. And it would make me feel better about your will. Please let me help, Carl. Since you place it on that basis... I'll but... see my solicitor tomorrow. Oh, well, there is no immediate hurry... If I need your help, I will write to you, and if I survive my experiment, I will write to you to come to me. Oh, Carl, I... I love you. And it is not long before Carl Villenson, the ex-waiter of the Kaiserhof Café, alias Professor Rengstein, who writes gullible Mary Heatherston for fun. Meanwhile, in the office of the Paris Tourette, And you give this Colonel von Mohenberg one million francs, madame? Mais oui, one million francs, so that he could place the Archduke Otto on the Austrian throne. What? Mais je vous dis, so that he could place the Archduke Otto on the Austrian throne. Ha! But the Archduke Otto, he remains in Belgium. Where for the good of the peace of Europe, he had best remain. And my million francs and Colonel von Marenberg have disappeared. Madame, do you realize you have placed yourself in a grave situation? I realize that I want my million francs back. Ah, more than your million francs are at stake. There is truth in what you say. If you have really contributed to the Austrian violent cause, you have become an enemy of thought. What? Madame, we must investigate this matter further. And in the meantime, you will be held. Held? Mais pourquoi? On suspicion of treason. No, no, no. I have not been a traitor to La France. Mais c'est faux, c'est that remains to be seen. This matter is out of my hands. That's clearly an incident for the court attack.
diplomatic dispatches between Paris and Vienna quickly reveal the fraud. And Madame Durand, sadder and wiser, is released to go her chauvinistic way. But by this time, spinster Mary Heatherson, puzzled that her beloved scientist's letters have ceased to arrive, sets out on a journey to London, which lands her finally in the chief of inspector's office in Scotland Yard. I went to the address here in London to which I'd been writing him. I found it to be a bake shop which sells Vienna bread. Hmm, I see. Oh, I can't understand it. The bake shop, they knew no Professor Rainstein. Oh, I wish you'd try to find him. I'm afraid he's met with some accident, been a victim of foul play. You say you've been sending him money. Yes. You see, he was completing a great and important experiment. Oh, what kind of an experiment? Why, uh, I come to think of it, he never did say. I thought so. And how much money did you send him? Several hundred pounds. Almost all of my inheritance. We were going to be married, you see. Yes, I imagine so. He even made me the beneficiary. Of his will? Why, how did you know? I've handled such cases before, Miss Heddison. This isn't a missing person's case. What is it, then? A pure case of fraud. You've been built out of several hundred pounds by an imposter. <gasps> Quick, Sergeant, bring some water. This young lady's fainted. Meanwhile, living right royally on Madame Durand's million signs, and Miss Heatherston's several hundred pounds, Carl Billington travels to Buenos Aires, lives well for several months, and then, his funds getting low, visits a certain dirty office along the waterfront. Oh, now, dear Senor, I understand you are very clever. Clever? Other what? Shall we say, forgery? I do not think it would be wise to hear too loudly, senor. I have no desire to. What would the senor like to have accomplished? I wish to enter the United States. From which country? From Austria. Yeah, let me see. Easy, that can be arranged. And under what name? The Baron Karl von Badenthal. The Baron Karl von Badenthal. An excellent name. Mm. I return at the same time tomorrow, Baron, and I shall have a beautiful Austrian passport ready and visa for you. Oh, 
knowing position. <laughs> it is an honor to have one of the fun button poles on the roof. Isn't it, Anna? Oh, yes. It certainly is. <laughs> and so the hook is completely baited. Paul engine moves in on Herman Moller and his wife. Exciting Herman with tales of his many lands in Austria and his immediate prospect of selling his scenario for $15,000, Carl borrows spending money, buys clothes on the mother's account, and lives the life of Riley, or rather, Muller. Finally, one day, Herman, I am disgusted. What's the matter, Oh, this scenario business. Here I have a studio clamoring for it, and the stage rights are being held in Vienna. The studio wants a clear title, and there it's... Uh, it looks as though I will have to go back to Vienna. Oh, he'll be sorry to see you go, Carl. Uh, it's inconvenient right at this time. Yeah, what do you mean? Well, my affairs are in such involved state in Vienna that I cannot lay my hand on any ready cash. Yet, oh. if I delay, then the studio will lose interest and I shall not be able to sell my scenario. Hell, Carl, I'd be glad to help. But... Oh, I shouldn't want to ask that, Herman. Oh, if I can do anything, you, you know I'm your friend. That I, I never like to mix friendship and business, but, uh, uh, Herman, there is one solution. What's that? I could take you in as a partner. But uh, how, Kurt? Well, I will share half and half on the $15,000 I will get for my scenario if you can lend me enough money to get back to Vienna. <laughs> That's more than fair. You're being too generous. You are my best friend, Herman. Ah, all right. How much will you need? About $1,500. $1,500? I shall get it for you as soon as the banks open in the morning. Well, Herman, the time has come to say goodbye. But you will be back soon, won't you, Carl? As soon as I can clear up things in Vienna. But uh, just in case... You know how uncertain travel is. Uh, I I want you to have this. What is it? My will. Your will? I have made you the heir to all I possess. My castle at Graz, my villa at Salzburg, my other lands in Hungary, my paintings and library. Oh, no, no, Carl, I couldn't. I... Should I die, minor lieber Freund, all I have is yours. Don't be the same. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, they usually are. But 
If he is a fraud, I, I want to see justice done. And I want to get my money back. Well, we'll do everything we can. And the first thing we'll do is check the baron of the Austrian consul. But the Austrian consul informs the police that there is no living member of the von Bodenthal family. Assures them that Hermann Mollis' friend is an imposter. And a few days later, Mr. Mollis rushes excitedly to headquarters. Lieutenant James, Lieutenant Creed, I have heard from the Baron. Yeah, well, what does he say? He writes that he has just arrived in New York and that he lost all his money gambling aboard ship. He asks me to send him some more money. That's fine. You wire him to call at the American Express Company on Columbus Circle in New York at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon and get his money. But I don't want to send him any more money. You don't have to. Just tell him to be there at 3 o'clock. There won't be any money waiting for him, but there will be a couple of New York cops.
illustrated in colors, free at any service station where Rio Grande cracked gasoline is sold. This is your narrator, Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs>